listening to the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 196, The Page Master. It's Macaulay Culkin season. Welcome to the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers, the number one place to get your animation fix with animation addicts just like you. Each episode, we dive into the wonderful world of animation featuring Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between. From hilarious discussions and movie reviews to interviews with industry insiders, this show's mission is to brighten your day. Through our love of animation, so hop on your nerdy couch, grab some snacks, and get ready to hang out with your animation besties because it's time to dive into today's episode. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Chelsea Robson. I'm Morgan Stradling. And we have a very special guest today. We have Demetrius. Welcome, Demetrius. How are you? I'm doing good. Demetrius is one of our diamond level patrons. As one of those perks, he gets to join us for an episode. And it is my birthday episode. And yeah, you know, so, you know, on your birthday... All things go, right? Basically, you are the, the queen of the castle, the king of the keep. And so we let the the birthday guest pick their own movie for the episode. We, <laughs> we basically pick our own movies anyway, but it's an extra special one. You know, no one gets to veto <laughs> the movie. And so it was my choice where I picked The Page Master. Do not forget the the. <laughs> and... um. We will talk about this movie, and I'm not quite sure why I picked this movie. <laughs> there must have been a lot of uh, nostalgia attached to it somehow, but we will get into it, so stay tuned. But before we do, we have a fun little segment that we're going to do with all of our guests, or we have a fun segment that we do with all of our guests, and we're going to do it with Demetrius called Catch and Fire. Well then, how about a quick round of Catch and Fire? Catching fire? You mean me? You're the only one with enough courage. Demetrius, you know what catching fire is, I assume. Yes. Oh yes. For anybody who is just now joining us and has never heard a Rotoscopers episode, Animation Addicts podcast, you will have no idea what this is. But we are basically rapid fire questions where we ask our guest. All of the major and most important questions as responding to the animation world. And so I will ask a question. Demetrius will shout back his answer and we will move forward. Uh, all right. So, Demetrius, what was the first animated movie you remember seeing? Bambi. What is your favorite cartoon growing up? Uh, Rugrats. What was your favorite animated movie? Lion King. What is your favorite, or who is your favorite animator slash artist? Tim Burton. Oh, nice. Classic animation or CGI? Classic. Favorite animation studio? Walt Disney. All right. Are we going to go for... Disney or Pixar, I'm assuming. Disney. <laughs> Leica or Studio Ghibli? Studio Ghibli. Songs or no songs? Songs. All right. Do you like people or anthropomorphic? People. Heroes or villains? Villains. Favorite obscure animated character? Oof. No idea. <laughs> All right. Stitch or Tinkerbell? Stitch. Mickey, Goofy, or Donald? Donald. Uh, Tiana or Mulan? Mulan. Okay. And here is the all-important and final question. Which movie would you rather see? Mulan 2 or Return of Jafar? Return of Jafar. <laughs> 52 out of 52 well done congratulations demetrius you have passed 
catch and fire. <laughs> woot woot! <laughs> All right, so let's jump into our main discussion, shall we? So as I mentioned before, we are going to be reviewing a film way back from the 90s at the heyday of Macaulay Culkin fever. It is called The Page Master. So some basic information about The Page Master, and I'm going to continue to refer to it as The Page Master as many times as I possibly can in this podcast, because... Personally, I just always called it Pagemaster. I think that's a better name, but <laughs> it's very clearly The Pagemaster. So The Pagemaster was directed by Joe Johnston. He did the live action segments and Maurice Hunt directed the animation segments. The release date was November 23rd, 1994. It has a runtime of 75 minutes. It's very quick, very snappy. The budget was $34 million and the box office was a bit of a bomb. It made only $13.7 million. <laughs> the production company, this was basically done by Turner and Turner Feature Animation. And uh, it was one of the reasons that they ended up going under this in Cats Don't Dance. They just really couldn't get a foothold on good animated films. But this was one of them. So, yeah, 1994, pretty crazy because Macaulay Culkin, obviously, everybody knows him and how he was just a child star legend during this time. You know him from Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Richie Rich, and there were a variety of other films that he was involved in during this time. And so, obviously, they had to get him in starring in an animated film. And this is a hybrid. It's half, you know, it's live action slash 2D animation, but there's a little CGI in there. This actually was one of the very first films to have a combo of all the three. Uh, nonetheless, does that make that better? However, <laughs> does it? Who knows? <laughs> However, do those things make it a good film? That will be decided on this podcast. So guys, before we dive into it, what are your first thoughts or recollections about this film? Well, Demetrius, take us up. Take it. Take it away. Uh, never seen this movie before. First time was yesterday. Nice. Okay. So he is probably the most fresh with this movie. What about you, Chelsea? I also never saw this before. Uh, and But I do remember it when it came out. I do remember there was... it. I mean, it had Macaulay Culkin, and I was definitely a part of that generation that was like, oh, I liked Home Alone. Oh, I like all these things. So, I mean, I just, I remember it, but I never saw it. And I'm not exactly sure why it never came onto our radar. Maybe it was just my mom knew better than she knew. <laughs> but <laughs> it was, um, I mean... I'm a completist, so just the fact that I was able to watch it, I'm like, all right, I'm, I can check that off my list uh -huh. today. <laughs> nice. Well, so I definitely remember seeing this in theaters. Around this time, my family, my dad had a tradition of he would take us every Saturday, not every Saturday, but if there was a new animated film or film that came out, he would take us the day after it came out on Saturday and we would go see a matinee. And I definitely, definitely remember seeing this and I can't recall if I saw it later, you know, someone had it on VHS or whatnot, but it made an impact on me where it definitely wasn't one of those films that I forgot about, you know, but I definitely remember it. I remember the three books. I remember Macaulay Culkin. I remember him kind of having to transform into this 2D world. And I guess that alone, you know, I was eight at the time. It had enough nostalgia for me that it just kept a nice place on my bookshelf in my head. And <laughs> now turning back and watching it, I'm sitting here thinking, why? Why <laughs> did I like this movie in a any way, shape or form? It clearly must have been because I was so young, because this movie, frankly, guys, is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so basically, this is the page master is to Morgan as Rockadoodle is to me. <laughs> no, you like 
you like Rockadoodle. And is actually decent. Like you, you like, <laughs> it has a lot of nostalgia for you and you actually really like it. For me, this had weird amount of nostalgia, but then when I, it, it's not good and I don't like it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so many things to say. How about you, Demetrius? You know, I quite enjoyed this movie. You did? Okay. So what were yeah. some of the things that you, that stood out to you? It's just really going through all the, the books and just my knowledge of pretty much all of them. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. So the plot of this film is basically there's this young child and his name is Richard. No, he's not Rich, Richie Rich. <laughs> his, <laughs> it goes by Rich, but he's a 10 year old boy and wah, he wah. seems to have this phobia of nearly everything around him. So he's basically afraid of everything in the world. And as a way to cope and get out of doing all of these things, he's a bit of a statistician, or at least he has memorized all the stats for various things that could happen. What's the stats of you dying? If you, if you're climbing up on a ladder what's the stat of being hit by lightning whatever and so he somehow winds up in a storm where everything is turning against him there's there's a bolt of lightning that causes a tree to fall down there's a giant storm it's like everything that could go wrong does go wrong with him and he ends up in this library there's a weird bookkeeper librarian man who's there it's just nighttime kind of hanging out and um and then he slips and bonks his head basically and goes into this dream state where he is met by these three books and he has to combat his fears through going through these different literary classics, right? And so we see Treasure Island, we see Moby Dick, we see Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and they're able to navigate through them. Ultimately, he's trying to get to the exit, the big old exit sign, uh, so he can return back to his home. So eventually he does do that. And Along the way, there's just nothing that's really happening here. It just, okay, ranting time. <laughs> we need some music for that, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> ranting time, ranting time, ranting time, ranting time. Never need a reason, never need a rhyme. Here we go. It's Morgan's ranting time. The motivations of the main character, Rich, and how he ends up here and just ultimately what happens to him and how he gets out, it just doesn't really mesh. There's not really a lot of substance or meat to this movie. For example, he's, you know, this kid who's a fraidy cat. And so the way that he's going to overcome his fears is by reading books, you know, and, and tapping into literature. And that's going to give you courage. But from what I can tell, I mean... It wasn't like this was a kid who was obsessed with video games and like didn't want to read. It seems like he was getting his stats from somewhere. And he's Macaulay Culkin always kind of he's Macaulay Culkin has always been positioned as this really smart, savvy child. Like he's always above his age, you know, uh -huh, wiser uh -huh. than his years, if you will. And so I did get the impression that this was not like a kid who I never got the impression that this kid was not into books or reading even though we never really see him read a book, he still seems like the type who would definitely be a fan of books, right? Uh, and so that the whole narrative of like, books are cool and you got to read books and let's look at all these classic stories, it didn't align with, because it, it wasn't something that he had to overcome and learn, you know? So if he were, let's say one of the bullies, or, you know, which we see when they're trying to do the, the ramp on the bicycle or, you know, a kid who just sits and veges out and plays video games all day and won't won't touch a book for the life of him. I mean, that would be a better story arc in the end where he develops this love of literature and reading than a nerdy kid who most likely was already into books and uh, comes out the other side and still kind of into books. Like, yeah, he doesn't uh, have a library card. Or he gets one of those pretty easily, but. I don't know that for me, there was just no driving factor for him. You know, how books would be the way for him to overcome his fear. Yeah. I kind of felt like it was just one giant commercial right. for your public library. <laughs> so I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. Um, I can see that for sure. I, I definitely, ah, maybe he's just the kind of kid that really likes to read the wall street journal as opposed to other types of, or like maybe he was, into his family's uh, world book encyclopedias. Maybe that's where he was getting all of his static, uh, all of his information and not through fiction stories. So as I was going through Either it, way, he's a reader. <laughs> yeah, I know. As I was going through, I, it was, 
it was funny to me because I felt like the screenwriters were like, how about we just take all of the public domain classic stories and then just have a kid overcome his fears while like kind of trying to lean on all of these other stories for character development. Right. And that was one of the things when I was researching this film that they specifically chose works that were in the public domain. Why wouldn't you, right? There's so many stories out there. Of course. And, you know, so many of the classics were written 100 years, 100 years ago plus. So, yeah. But, you know, it's interesting because we just kind of dip our toes in each one of these stories, but not not much happens. It's it's almost as if they're like, hey, for the rest of the story, go check out the story. You know what I mean? If you wanted to find out really what happened <laughs> to, you know, Treasure Island or Moby Dick or, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde or Gulliver's Travels, any of those. Um, it was it was kind of like it could have been a TV show. Yes. I, this felt like just an extended episode of some sort of 90s animated show, <laughs> right? Like where this was maybe some harebrained thing, something happened and they went back into literary land. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And you know what I didn't necessarily love is that like they had these big tentpole literary classics that they had to kind of travel through like ooh the spooky haunted house okay what what literary character would we find there oh dr jekyll and mr hyde you know i feel like it would have been better if he was in this literary world that was just kind of sprinkled throughout with all of these characters sort of like shrek where it's like oh you know because there was that moment with gulliver travels that was incredibly short where mm -hmm. uh the horror book was being you know strapped down by the little people and yeah, but that was so short. It, it wasn't necessarily like a big plot line like some of the other ones were. And I right. think I would have liked it more if he was just kind of stuck in this literary world and it would just been like a hodgepodge of all these literary characters. Uh, and maybe he meets one that's here and one that's there. And uh, that would have been really cool to me and a little bit more exciting. This just kind of like felt forced and tacked on like okay well let's go into treasure island that lands now and he has to oh he's gonna pick up a sword you know <laughs> it's funny because in each one of these moments he does exp he does have a moment of courage where he's able to uh i guess overcome his fears but the majority of his fears um he just runs away from the problem. He runs away from Jackal and Mr. Hyde. He runs away from the whale. Uh with Treasure Island he does pick up the sword but it's like, okay, that's kind of his coping mechanism that he had before. <laughs> yeah. He would just run away from the situation when confronted by bullies or something scary. And so, again, with the character growth, it it wasn't really there. And it didn't seem like he really cared to grow. You know, he was just kind of put in these situations. He ran away and off he goes. It kind of reminded me of the hodgepodginess of it. Reminded me of the Lego story or the Lego movie. Mm hmm. Um, but the Lego movie had way more of a background with it. Right. <laughs> One of the things is he has these three books that are kind of his guides and his mavens as he's going along the way. What did you feel about the three different books? We have fantasy voiced by Whoopi Goldberg. We have Whoopi adventure voiced by Patrick Stewart. And then we I have could horror. not tell. I could not no. tell that that was Patrick Stewart. No, I couldn't either. And then we have horror, which is done by Frank Welker, which is an interesting choice. But, uh, and then I did spot a Jim Cummings cameo yes, yes, yes. as Long John Silver. I loved that. <laughs> my, I definitely perked up when I heard my good pal, Jim. <laughs> I heard, I heard that part. And all I could hear was, What's more important than sentencing my prisoners? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Pete. So, yeah, Pete also. I mean, Jim Cummings is all over the place. I was just, I was going through, I was like, how many of these big actors are we going to hear in this, uh, in, in this storyline? And we had a, a good share. I mean, the fact that you had, I mean, Leonard Nimoy was on there, but he was Mr. Jack, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. But I was like, I couldn't really tell that that was you. Christopher and Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, I mean, he is a national treasure of creepiness, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Christopher Lloyd. I do like him. Uh, it's just he plays that the creepy up a lot in his uh, first when he first appears as Mr. Dewey, as in the Dewey Decimal System. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> oh, man. <Stop>. No. <laughs> They had a good, a good, um, a mass of the '90s staples. So I was like, "Oh yeah, you, hey, hey, you, <laughs> right." 
So how did you feel about the books? Demetrius, how about you? Um, really enjoyed their the character. My favorite, of course, was Adventure. Well, up until the time when, you know, the useless romance with fantasy happened. <laughs> yeah, it became not my favorite. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. They have that moment. Like, I didn't feel that there was any sort of love connection happening there. That it, was weird. <laughs> no, there was no, like, egging on or even flirtations that were happening that would have led up to it. It was just, he kisses her, she's into it, and then uh, he says, like, you want to share a shelf with me or something like that? And, no, curl up or, with a good curl book. Up with a, yeah, curl up with a good book. And that is the last straw, and she kicks him out, basically. And she, uh, that, he took it too far. Uh, and then that, that's the end of it that they're they don't get back together he doesn't try to apologize <laughs> it was just like oh okay did we need these two books kissing and getting together <laughs> nope but they I gave just... it to us <laughs> <laughs> no so that kissing part like it was the weirdest kiss first off and it was just like oh i don't i don't like this at all <laughs> how would you like to be one of those animators where they're like okay your scene today that you gotta work on you have two books <laughs> And they're kissing. It's like, oh, I was just thinking about that and just animating just a book in general. I mean, obviously with animation, you view everything, but you know, they're very angular and yeah, it was just, uh, it was just weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're like, their mouth kind of like shoots out a little much and it's <laughs> like, it's the full mouth, open mouth, like entrance. I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Too much for sure. He does yes. come at the end and he's like, oh, I would love a good kiss. And then horror's like, uh, okay, not from uh, yeah. you. Yeah, as we fade to black. Uh, which is way better than the than the full frontal of the, the yeah. mouth coming at you. But I definitely agree with you, Demetrius. Adventure, I think, was by far the best of the three books. He had a little bigger of a role, I think. Uh, I mean, we go to each one of their lands that they represent. But he just seemed... I don't know, the most fun. He had the most personality. And uh, I don't know, I was just kind of weirded out in general by horror, but that's obviously (laughs) what horror is supposed to evoke. So that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Don't judge a book by its cover, Morgan. (laughs) Well, then at the very end, so this kid doesn't have a library card and he gets this old fashioned paper written library card. He's like, I want to check these books out. He's like, I want to check these books out. And Christopher Lloyd's character, Page Master, the keeper of the books and also guardian of the written word, or in the real world, Mr. Dewey's like, oh, sorry, there's a two book limit. I'm like, what is this library? Okay, <laughs> two books? Come on. Mine has, I'm not even sure the limit, but I don't think I would ever hit it to any point because it's like 10 plus books, you know? Um, <laughs> he's like, oh, but I promised horror. <laughs> I either. <laughs> Like, okay, so what do you think? Do you think that this guy, Christopher Lloyd, the page master, you know, did he, was this just a dream that happened to Rich and he just happened to bring the character of the page master in and because Mr. Dewey was the last person that he saw, that's why he became that person? Or do you think this was a real life thing that happened to Rich? Yeah, it's a total dream. Yeah. Total dream. Yeah, yeah total dream. Because he walks in, and first off, this this library is legit. Like, how right? Yeah. <laughs> I have never seen a library in the West, or at least in Arizona, that that is that like spacious and ornate with a you know a mural on the ceiling and all this thing. So he's basically he walks in. He's so overwhelmed by the beauty of this place. He looks up and he sees all of these pictures on the ceiling, and then he's got water dripping and then he slips and he falls backwards and hits his head and he has his little adventure in his mind. Um, and then when, when he comes back, once again, you have creepy Mr. Dewey saying you took a big fall right there, kid. Um, right. So it is, they, he, they do have like a wizard type guy uh, on You're the ceiling. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, literally there were so many points where I felt like, is this diagonally like what's going on here? And then, um, or I just watched, I actually just watched uh, Harry Potter four last night when they're in there, uh, when they're in the maze and everything. And I was like, this is like Harry Potter. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a dream for sure, but it was still interesting. <laughs> it was just like, what is this movie? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so good old fashioned dream sequence that, you know, did it have to happen in a library? Of course, because that's where you get, you know, the, it really sets the stage that libraries and books are cool, man. And so he slips, he falls. And then they, they, I, I will give it this one moment. I did think, you know, at, for the time, this was a bit of a breakthrough in animation where they have this, these paint that's falling down from the mural on the ceiling and it kind of transforms him ultimately. And then he goes into the 2d world. And I really kind of liked that moment. I thought that was interesting. Uh, the paint dripping from the, where the, the murals were kind of, uh, melting essentially that kind of looked a bit funky, but I liked the big dollops of paint that were getting on the floor and ultimately engulfed him and thought that was really fun. But yeah, I like that. And it, you could tell it had a bunch of like, it was CGI for most part, but then there were a couple 2d elements that I thought I could see as like kind of a paste over maybe yeah, an overlay to make it look less 3D ish, early CGI ish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, one thing about this film is that it actually had a pretty rocky production history. So, there is the big big issue that happened was the screenwriting credits. Um, They went into legal arbitration with the Writers Guild of America because uh, there was an initial writer named David Kasky who apparently wrote quite a bit of it. And then was replaced. And so they actually had to go, you know, legally determine who was who. And he ended up getting the writing credit in addition to the other writer, which was. So So it's funny. It's like it was him initially. He was replaced by David Kirshner. And then I was looking at the article. It's like and then also then Ernie Contreras appeared somehow like through the end of this big legal thing. It's like, okay, sweet. <laughs> he also, <laughs> it's like, okay, I didn't have to do anything. I got a screenwriting credit. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Obviously <laughs> he did something, but it seems like a lot of the, the work that David did was pretty sufficient. And ultimately, um, you know, but that being said, so there was all of that that happened. And then apparently the director, Joe Johnston, he just has basically, wiped his hands of this movie (laughs) and it says essentially that he's taken it off his resume as even being involved with the movie because midway through or or before they even started they there were tons of changes made to the plot and he didn't approve them he didn't want them and that ended up being a big uh you know big problem so he was really dissatisfied with just how it ended up going. And so it seems like this was a bit of kind of the legal issues and then, you know, higher ups getting involved and trying to, you know, suggest and and change the way things were going. So yeah, it says that he, he was, it was re-edited without his consent. Um, and, and in addition to all the issues with production and whatnot. So ultimately this was just not a great experience. And I can kind of see that, through the end product. It it just doesn't feel complete. It doesn't feel like it, it, it just kind of feels like a corporate, Hey, let's teach, let's make a movie about how books are cool for kids, you know, cause it was the nineties <laughs> when all these video games and technology was beginning to take over the, 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 the younger generation and they were going to be ruined forever. You know, we also had the, a lot of environmental films and TV shows like captain planet at the same time that were, were very big. Right. And so it's like, okay, we got to teach, teach the kids the way. And, but it just seems like, okay, this was an idea that just somehow kept getting, you know, moving further and further down production, but it just didn't have a strong base. It didn't have a strong foundation or driving narrative or even characters to, to make it something really good. Well, if you look at his background, you can definitely see why he would like it's 100% the lowest of his movies. He like first one is Honey I Shrunk the Kids all the way up to Captain America the First Avenger, Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Rocketeer, October Sky and The Page yeah. Master. Oof, yeah. <laughs> so it's like I can I have you have enough great films on your resume to leave off a couple, including Jumanji and the adventures of young Indiana Jones. Hey, you know, (laughs) 
But hey, I mean, I understand that you're going to have some duds in your career, which is fine. And you're not going to want to talk about those as (laughs) much. But hey, you have to fail in order and fail and fail again in order to get to where you are. I mean, at this point, he already had some successes under his belt. But nonetheless, I mean, if anything, it's a learning lesson. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I I think at that point, you're like, okay, we just never need to talk about this again. My life is above Page Master. Okay. The studio isn't around anymore. Turner Animation Group is not a thing. This is not even remembered by nearly anybody. So let's just, yeah. Get out of here. (laughs) Shush. (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Although interesting, I see in his TB, his to be announced, whatever that means. I mean, is it announced or is it going to be announced? Oh, the the year that it's coming out is um, it's been Chronicles of Narnia: The Silver Chair, and he's he's going to be the director. So it seems like perhaps they're picking back up with the Chronicles of Narnia series somehow. But uh, hmm. we'll see how that goes. Interesting. So, anyways, I wonder if they're to- redoing Honey, I Shrunk the Kids with just shrunk. <laughs> oh, I hope not. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> well, let me check real fast. Uh, yep. It's a, nope, that's, it's a reboot. That's a reboot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. They can't Classic. stay away too long. <laughs> oh, they really can't. <laughs> we need another winner right now, especially in an age of pandemic. <laughs> Let's go so back to our winners. so another thing is you know we have this page master character who once he goes into this animated world is like now you must go on this quest and it's like but it was just really bizarre it just what was the purpose of this character he was just one to say hey now go here and go find the exit sign and at the very end of it he's like you have completed the quest like you were no help why are you (laughs) even here and the movie is called the page master like the page master had nothing to do with anything that was happening in the plot other than (laughs) congratulations you're going on a quest and then congratulations you completed your quest uh, he, you know i it, when you think of the page master you think the page master almost is macaulay culkin like he would have become the page master or wow. or become an apprentice to it or whatnot but it would have been cooler perhaps if the page master was more of a character than these three books that were just so goofy and wonky that they what did they do you know other than you know I always thought that Macaulay Culkin was the page master. You would think, right? Because even in this post movie poster of his, he's holding up this giant sword and it just makes it seem like he's going to be the one like controlling his destiny and his fate. And he's the page master, but right. no, no, he's it's this other guy who, <laughs> who clearly we paid way too much for Christopher Lloyd. And so we're going to make the movie <laughs> titled all about him. You um, are an illustration. <laughs> I <laughs> laughed so hard at that moment. Like, um, thank you. <laughs> what the heck? Well, then at the very end, we have this big climactic scene with this dragon and talk about the sleepiest dragon in the world. It, it's not even a dragon that's necessarily from any particular uh, novel or literary work. You know, I was thinking, okay, maybe this would be from The Hobbit, but that was definitely not out of public domain and they would not have gotten the rights to that or wanted to pay for the rights for that. And so it's just like this generic dragon because apparently dragons are all all the rage in the fantasy literature. So and and he just kind of blocks his way and, and gets in his way and they have to fight out of it. I thought that was like a Sleeping Beauty thing. Potentially, but there were no <laughs> Sleeping Beauty references. Yeah, I mean, it was a yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it was just a dragon. There was nothing that you could have pinned to any like literary work <laughs> other than yeah. dragons are in fantasy novels. So let's have <laughs> one right here. Bring it on. You know, and so they, they're trying to, they have this weird line of like, okay, we're going to go in into the worlds of these literary classics and really dive into them, but not too, too hard, you know, and, and then just generic dragon. Okay. Good enough. <laughs> so you got really lazy at the end. Uh, what about you, Demetrius? Uh, just dragon. It wasn't all that. And I feel like it was really not the best thing to use. Yeah. yeah. So I have a question. Uh, how did everybody like the music? 
Oh man, how about that random <laughs> song in the middle that was just so yeah. so 90s? Like it just like this kind of like ballad <laughs> as he's you know exploring the magical worlds and he has these rotoscoped fairies that have oh gosh, you know, those those beams of light in between them and he's like holding them in his hand and sending them on their way. Could not sing you a lyric from that song. Let's no, just not put it all. that way. <laughs> First off, I was thinking, ooh, an R&B song before the credits. How <laughs> groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We're going out on a limb here, the page master. Um, I found it very distracting. I I felt like, especially with this type of a of a movie, it just didn't feel like it fit. I feel like it would have been better if they would have had a singer that was that sung it more straight as opposed to with the R&B stylings. I felt like it was distracting. That was just my input from that song. Yeah, it was like, this is the 90s. This is just what we do. So we will do it. And since we're Turner Animation and this is our very first animated film, we can't break any of these rules that have been set already in the 90s for animated classics. No, no, no. This already is such a disaster of a production. So keep the song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they did have a a song at the end credits as well. That was kind of R&B-ish. Which, again, was as soon as the credits were rolling, I was like, thank goodness. (laughs) Off, off, we are done. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was just so bummed because I remember being so excited to, you know, I I think a few months ago, we were kind of brainstorming different movie ideas. And we we have like a list of movies that we can pick from, you know, just ones that we're all interested in. And somehow Page Master got selected and I just, it couldn't get it out of my mind. Like, yeah, Page Master, remember that? That one was so cool. And here I am eating my own words because it, it was not so cool. <laughs> and it was not so fun. And woof, woof is all I have to say. I mean, I'm trying to think. Oh, so at the very end, I thought it was really funny because he conquers his fear. You know, he's he's so courageous now. And he goes and he does that bike ramp and he goes home and he's probably <laughs> been missing for hours if we know it's unsure of the timing but he goes home and he has his books and he goes up into the tree house which he was so afraid of before you know the dad was the dad was trying to like make him a man basically right. or make him make him strong by okay i'm gonna put you in soccer or i'm gonna build you a tree house up in this scary tree and you're gonna overcome your fear of heights you know <laughs> So they say, okay, no, no, honey, let's let him sleep here. They put a little jacket on him. They go inside. But little do they know, or I think they do know, this is a kid who's fearful of heights, or at least was up until a few hours ago. He is sleeping inches away from this big hole, this big gap. There's no there's no <laughs> door. There's no railway. He very easily could just roll over in his sleep and fall to his death, which would be the travesty of all if that actually happened. <laughs> he overcomes his fears and he actually falls and breaks his arm as a result of trying to be fearless. I just thought it was a really bizarre move. Like, no, we'll just let him sleep out here. I'm like, I don't know where this takes place, but it takes looks like a place a lot colder than where I'm from, a place that actually gets <laughs> cold at night, and that jacket is not going to cut it, honey. Well, also, um, th- I I had a couple moments where I was like, this is definitely the difference between the 90s kid growing up and like the parent, what they let him do versus the tw- like 2020, what you know parents let their kids or don't let their kids do. <laughs> Yeah, and the yeah, just let him eh, let him sleep outside, and then you know nowadays we like have them all in bubbles and everything, literal and metaphorical. Do you have any other comments or things that you want to talk about on this film, Demetrius? Uh, I would say I really do like the kid and his choice in a bicycle. The kid in me really wanted that bike. I don't know why, <laughs> but I did. You mean the the one at the beginning? Yes. Where he. Ha- <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty cool. I mean, he was definitely prepared for all things, all things. Yeah. And the fact that he had an the uh, initiative, I think, to make that, I, I mean, I assume he made it because it doesn't seem like it would be something that his dad would make for him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you think that that <laughs> would be a stretch? No, I think he did it himself. Well, did you ever make any bikes or anything like that? No, no. No? 
Neither did I, honestly. Having a bike in general was like, oh, cool. (laughs) That bike at the very beginning was cool. Ah, yes. The decked out safety bike. (laughs) On the back of it, he had like even like turn signals on the back or was it just like warning lights? I wasn't looking that close, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have to go to the screenshot by screenshot page for the page master and you can check it out (laughs) yeah i don't care that much (laughs) so another thing that i wanted to bring up about the music all the music was done by uh james horner who may he rest in peace when he died i i about i cried actually i really i was really sad but you would know him you know he did the land before time uh, which you also might have heard a couple times in this score (laughs) there's a part where it's like the uh-huh. and i'm like oh no like this is definitely land before time what are you doing james come on do something new but this is not the only time he did something like this this was actually you know tame compared to one of the other times if you one time i was listening my marissa decided to watch the spiderwick chronicles which also i had never seen and i walked by and all of a sudden I started to hear the soundtrack from Casper and I was like, no, why? I felt very deceived. And this is a thing that happens. And I was like, (laughs) it's actually really funny because earlier this week, my husband had just turned on the TV and he was watching gladiator. And as I was watching this, I'm like, wait a second. This is a knockoff of pirates of the Caribbean, the score from that film. And so, of course, I zip to the internet and I do some research and it turns out, obviously, it's the same composer. And this is very, very common in the industry where, you know, certain and Gladiator came out about three years before Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, and where they will just kind of reuse motifs heard in other films. And apparently with Pirates, the temp music what that was used during production was gladiator and they liked it so much and loved it so much that they really didn't want anything else. And so the director or the composer Hans Zimmer ended up just, okay, well, let's just do a few tweaks here and there, but it's (laughs) nearly the same, like not just like one little, you know, phrase of notes, Uh, talking minutes worth. And, And you can even go on YouTube and I'll include it in the show notes of a comparison of the two scores where it's, it's like, well, why do the work twice? Why write something new when I can just take this and change a note here and there and call it good and get paid the same amount? Yes. Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's probably what happened here with, um, and I feel like James probably was just like, okay, or they gave him like notes as far as like, we want something along the lines of land before time. <laughs> right. And they're like, he's like, all right. And he just takes, you know, the live your story, faith, hope, and glory line and just like throws that in there every once in a while. Oh. I'm like, no, you sold out, James. You sold out. I mean, it's okay. I still love you. Yes. He had quite an extensive resume throughout his career. Yeah. Very, very accomplished. Yeah. And with this movie, you know, this was Turner's first foray into animation. And they ended up taking a lot of people who had experience in the industry. So a lot of the animators came from, you know, Bluth Studio. You know, they had worked on Land Before Time. Some had worked on Aladdin. You know, at this time there were more studios were beginning to slowly crop up in a way. Um, Whereas... Before, it was really you had a handful of options. So I think a lot of the animators who were lower in the ranks, you know, they weren't necessarily the the lead animators, you know, the big names. You know, this was an opportunity for them to come over and, and try to make a name for themselves at these other studios. Unfortunately, this was not the case. Pagemaster did not, <laughs> not do that for many people. It doesn't seem that this really, um, yeah, uh, Jump started a lot career. of careers from here. Oh, so going back to the songs that you were talking about, there are two songs in the movie. So those two songs that we're, that we're talking about, the theme song was called Dream Away, sung by Babyface and Lisa Stansfield. And then uh-huh. the other one was Whatever You Imagine. Oh, that sounds so cliche. <laughs> Very 90s. <laughs> sung by Wendy Moten. So there you go. I know you guys are going to be listening to those on your Spotify playlist soon. 
Oh, yes. I mean, here's the thing is like, I didn't think that they were bad songs by any means. It's just, I, it was just weirdly placed. And it, I don't think it added to the overall feeling of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, did, that's did really anything thing. add to the overall feeling <laughs> of the story? <laughs> you know, I, this movie had issues, but it really wasn't that bad. And Demetrius said he even liked it. Not only that, but along with yourself, Morgan, for your birthday, we also had another request for this film. And let's jump into that voicemail. Hi, my name is Nicole Loftus. I listen to your podcast every single day, and I totally, totally love it. Can you please do the page master from 1994, starring Macaulay Culkin, Christopher Lloyd, and Wolfie Goldberg? Can you please do that for my birthday on May, on October 18th? Please do it on October 18th. Please do the page master. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Well, Happy birthday to Morgan. I'm also really glad that we were able to do this for Nicole for her birthday. Sorry if it's a little bit late, but hey, we got it done and we're so glad to be able to make dreams come true over here. (laughs) All right. With that, we are going to jump right into our ratings and we're going to start off with you, Demetrius. Let's hear it. Uh, Give it a 3.5. 3.5 stars. What about you, Chelsea? So I would say this was probably around the 2.5 side. I didn't think it was bad at all. I just felt like it was kind of one of those funny things that for the right age would have worked out. Just like you said, I mean, it was a one that you remembered. And I think it, it's, it does lead into, you know, good things as far as, especially if you are the type that reads to your kids, then you can, they can watch this and feel like, oh, yes, that's that's what's happening when that is going. So I don't think it was – I mean, it was it was fine. It wasn't something that I'd ever really watch again. Um, but if I had a kid at a right age that I thought, nah, sure, throw this on, um, I don't think that it would have been a bad choice. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to give it a two and a half, 2.5 stars. All right, so I am going to give this – Well, before I jump into that, let me talk about my feelings (laughs) one more time about this film. So I felt that this film was just very uninspired. It seemed like it had a moral message written all over it. You know, like reading is good. We're going to have a a movie about literary characters. It's, you know, and he's going to go into this literary world. It seemed like it had the bones of something that could have been really exciting and cool. But in the actual execution, it just didn't deliver. The main character... Rich, played by Macaulay Culkin, was just a total flop. There was nothing really exciting or motivating about him, you know, to really drive him to change. It seemed like, yes, he obviously had this issue where he wanted, where he was just this paranoid stats freak, but it he he never felt... It never felt that it was truly something he wanted to overcome and that he really actually overcame it. Like, I know we're supposed to believe that he overcame it, but I still don't really believe it. (laughs) Um, And just the way that they went about it, like this forced library and dream sequence, and he just goes through these literary classics and learns some little morals along the way and picks up a sword and becomes so courageous and defeats a dragon. Wow. And at the end of it, it's all kind of pointless. You know, I really would have liked to have, I think this could have been so much more meaningful if the main character really had an aversion to reading and hated reading and was just, just terrible. And, and the, the reading by actually being engrossed in reading and, and not having a choice would have really left a change in this person. Like at the, this film i felt like he more or less probably liked reading before and he likes reading after and great now he's just a little bit more courageous i just didn't feel like this really told a great story had a great moral or had it really any driving principles to make it anything exciting and worth watching again so now i can definitely tuck that away (laughs) nostalgia you can take those glasses off we are done here (laughs) so i'm gonna give it two stars might maybe even 1.5 stars it's it's just was not redeemable so i'm <laughs> going to give it 1.5 stars all right well what for those listening we want to know what you guys thought of this movie please go to rotoscopers.com slash 196 to be able to, to put your comments in the and your your ratings in the comments on that page what am I doing? What am I doing? 
Demetrius, we were sure glad to have you with us today, and you've always been a fantastic support for us. And we so we just like saying thank you for and having you join us, and we get to uh, talk to you a little bit more. I enjoyed it. All right. So with that, we are closing the book on PageMaster, never to be opened again. Seal that away in some some corner of a hidden spooky library, okay? Put that in the restricted section. (laughs) Do not pass go. And with our next episode, we actually are going to be reviewing something that has been very hotly requested, and we're a bit late to the game on this, but we are going to be reviewing Netflix's Over the Moon, which has Glenn Keane involved. So I'm really excited to review that and to dive into that. So make sure to check that out on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. And send us your voicemails. Rotoscopers.com slash voicemail so you can get in on the next episode. And with that, until next time, we are the Rotoscopers. Thank you so much. This was really, really fun. So for our next episode, we are going to do something that we actually have start up start over again (laughs) all right so thank you so much for joining us for this episode for our next episode we are going to be doing and reviewing (sighs) why can i not talk right one more time morgan and then we are done all right everybody thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the animation addicts podcast we are closing the uh, <laughs> this was an epic blooper segment. Closing the book on you. <laughs> Closing the book. Yes. Okay. Thank you. You've been listening to the Animation Addicts podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to leave us a five star review. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help spread the word, be sure to share the podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag us at Rotoscopers on Instagram and use the hashtag Animation Addicts. For all the links and full show notes for this episode, go to rotoscopers.com slash podcast. Now, if you still can't get enough for your animation fix, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and visit rotoscopers.com for more animation news.